Who's responsible for bringing to market the first locally distilled bourbon whiskey in central Ohio post-prohibition? It took a long time, and you'll find out tonight on Whiskey Business. I am envious of the self-starter, that person or that group of people, individuals who have an idea, a dream, a thought, and actually bring it to fruition, make it something that actually becomes a thing. Some people would say, you know, this podcast is a self-starting endeavor. Eh, No, not really. I've been talking to people in one way or the other, be it radio or stand-up, most of my adult life. So I don't actually feel like this is a self-starting thing as it is so much a continuing thing. But man, yeah, nothing but respect and a little bit of envy for those who actually come up with a a thought process, an idea, and actually turn it into something that becomes not only uh, renowned in the area that they started it in, but nationwide, big huge you know do what you love and and love what you do well tonight on whiskey business we're gonna talk and find out about one of those self-starters hi i'm dino tripotis and welcome to whiskey business the podcast not so much about whiskey as it is one with whiskey and uh, with me of course the whiskey business crew who i cannot do this podcast without to my left on the audio side, Greg Hansberry yep. doing his due diligence. And to my right, the camera shy John Whitney, except for, the, <laughs> except for that thumb. And this time around, Whiskey Business is on the road again, if you will. We are actually at Watershed Distillery in the barrel room, as you can see. Well, of course, it's the barrel room. You see nothing but barrels, right? <laughs> so before we actually get started... <clears throat> with everything Hansberry, the social media is, if you will. That's right. Uh, we ask you to subscribe on your favorite podcasting app, and it'll pop up right there in your feed when you do that. Uh, rate and review us on your uh, favorite podcasting app, especially iTunes. Uh, you know, I also recommend stealing one of your buddy's phones and then just going on to his app and hitting subscribe when he's not paying attention. Okay. Uh, you know, why That's not? what it takes. Or also on You'll be doing him a favor. Yeah, exactly. In the long run. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All the social media is Facebook, uh, Twitter, Instagram. um, And you can actually see photos, see what we're talking about. This amazing barrel. What do you call it? A barrel room or barrel fort? Barrel fort. Barrel Barrel fort. fort. From our uh, guest, we're going to get ready to talk to. This would be the best fort in the world. (laughs) It would be cool. (laughs) No girls allowed. Uh, Plus, uh, Johnny's YouTube video, uh, Raw and Unedited Whiskey Business with Dino Tripotis. And our guest bottle tonight. While we will count the Watershed Distillery bourbon as bottle 110, we are up to our 110th bottle of the program, we are going to be sampling a whole bunch of different bottles from Watershed Distillery. That's where we are. Watershed Distillery right here in Columbus, Ohio. We are in the barrel room, and I'm thrilled to finally, finally, after three years, because I actually started this pursuit in year one, when I was still at the radio station. Greg Lehman is with us, one of the owners and creators of Watershed Distillery. You with uh, Dave Rigo. Am I pronouncing his last name correctly? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, Dave. Uh, you, and, you and he uh, started a Watershed Distillery 
and it has become a force to reckon with in the liquor industry. Congratulations, my friend, and thank you for letting us come in here and do this tonight. I appreciate it. Thank you for coming coming in and having me on the show. I like how you say that, a force to be reckoned with. A force I, to be reckoned with. When I walk in the door in the morning, I feel like we're trying to keep the wheels on, but that sounds really... Is, uh, it, is that the case? Yeah. Because I find that with a lot of people, like I, I mentioned in the beginning, the self-starters, the people who started uh, something from you know just a, a small thread of an idea, and then it becomes this, this big thing. They say the same thing all the time, but they're just coming in to make sure the wheels don't fall off. But it, but it has grown immensely in the years that you started. What was the actual starting year for Watershed? 2010, we started selling product. And, you know, it, was, it took a lot of effort to get it to that point, but uh, we started selling, and I felt like every day in 2010, Dave and I walked in, and we tried to keep the wheels on. And in 2011, we looked back, and we are like, oh, we, we went a little bit down the track here. Like, we, we actually did something. And when people come in now... Uh, that came in at the very beginning and they see where we are, they're always, they're always impressed and, and they look around and they're like, wow, this is crazy. Look at all these barrels. I remember when you had 10 barrels in the corner and now we're, you know, there's over a thousand barrels in this room. Yeah, there is. So, but, but I think that mentality doesn't change. Like if you start something and you get it off the ground, like you have that mentality of, I hope we can keep the lights on. Hey, did we get an order today? Hey, uh, there's someone walking in the door. Like, are you here for, do you want to buy a bottle? You're you here for the restaurant and you stop what you're doing and you take care of them and you hope like, hey, tell a friend to come back here so that we can be open tomorrow. <laughs> like it really is that kind of like feeling for me every day. Especially if you, you know, you start with, with one thing and don't rest on those laurels, you know, of success when you put out your first couple of, of uh, bottles and then you decided that we're going to keep going. When you start to incorporate and bring in new products, I imagine... You know, you do it with pause and hesitation, like, because this is going to take some time. This is going to take some investment. This is going to take, you know, a chance to see if this one flies as good as that one flies. And, and so I imagine that mentality is part of the, oh, man, just trying to keep the, I hope this doesn't knock a wheel off the bus. Right. That's very true. And no matter how excited we are about a product and how confident we are, like, this one's just going to take the market by storm. Any product we launch takes a whole lot of push and effort by our team and um, you know, our marketing group and our sales group. Just it's, you know, there's, there's a lot of competition out there, whether it's beer or wine or spirits, like we're up against that. Or these days, the, the marijuana business is, is about to encroach, I think, in certain states on what we're doing. And so, unless Watershed gets into the marijuana business, bourbon infused, right, right, whiskey, marijuana. weed, and women. We all want in. We all want in. We all want in the birth of a new idea. It's a, a classic question, but it needs to be asked. How did this whole thing start and why and what were you thinking? I mean, I know that, you know, you, you took note of the, of the, the craft beer industry and, and saw how that was exploding. Was that part of the impetus to kind of move forward and go into, into spirits? Yeah, I mean, that definitely, when you see the local movement that was going on at that time, that definitely helped. We really both worked for big companies and we both had this itch to do something different. What were the companies that you worked for? I worked for Pfizer and Dave worked for Ferguson Enterprises. What's Ferguson? Ferguson 
uh, I always say they sell toilets. Uh, <laughs> they, they do sell toilets, but a lot of like bathroom fixtures okay. and kitchen fixtures. So and neither one of you in the spirit industry. No, no, I was no. selling drugs to pig farmers. Pfizer's, oh, Pfizer's oh, nice. pig por- portfolio. So uh, there was no real segue to spirits. We didn't know how to make spirits, but we both knew we wanted to do something different. We had just enough ignorance that we didn't know that we uh, that we shouldn't be crazy and go into spirits, uh, but just enough smarts to go out and raise enough money to start it. And so we, we wrote a business plan. We nerded out about that part. We wrote 10, 15 really pretty solid business plans. I can't remember exactly how many. And then this was the one that we really got excited about. And it was because of the brewing industry. We saw that support. We saw that need. And we started asking people like, you know, hey, if, if we made gin or vodka here in Columbus, would you drink it? And of course, like you you start asking your friends that you're like, yeah, yeah if sure, it's good. Man, yeah. yeah. And then the next thing you know, they're calling like, Hey, have you, have you started making gin yet? Like if you need a <laughs> taster, tell me when you got some in your basement. And we're like, all right, all right, we're getting there. Uh, and so it was pretty quickly. We went from, from zero to, we got a plan and we got some money in the bank. And the whole time we were doing this, it was just kind of this like fun thing. Like I said, there was a little bit of that ignorance there where it's like, Nah, we'll go. We'll go write a business plan. Like, let's go take vacation days and go tour a distillery <laughs> and take a class. And then it was kind of like, we, you know, we put a lot into a business plan, a lot of effort and energy, and we had a really good plan. But I don't think either one of us thought about it on the level of like, you got to go home and tell your wife that you're leaving your job to start this company. Right. And that's when it got serious. When the money was in the bank, and we either had to tell these investors. Hey, here's your money back. We were just kidding. <laughs> or, or we had to go home to our wives and say, we "Hey, uh, uh, we're gonna we're leaving our jobs. Dave's doing it too. Uh, <laughs> Dave, is that cool? Oh, really? and, if yeah. Dave, and if Dave jumped off a bridge, would you jump off a bridge with yeah, Dave? Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. probably. He's uh, my buddy. Of yeah. course, I would. Luckily, if, Dave had a bunch of uh, of tubs you could make. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, so yeah, that that um, I, I think for us it was we knew that we weren't scratching that itch we weren't satisfied in those jobs and we had to do it and we were like we kind of got to the point where we're like if it fails it fails uh sorry investors but um but you know let's go try this thing and let's see uh and so we jumped in and like i said we didn't know what we didn't know and pretty quickly we realized that the business plan we wrote based on breweries was completely wrong And we had to sell and put more into sales than any brewery had to. At the time, breweries were kind of this model of if you build it, they will come. Like if you build the brewery, you'll sell beer. And with distilleries, it never was that way. It was you have to sell every bottle out there and hand sell it at that. Lucky for Dave and I, we both came from sales. We were both in sales for years. And lucky for me, Dave was really good at sales. Uh, and he went out there and, and sold a ton of product, and, and I think that helped us tremendously. Uh, I, I want to bring up just for a second, and I'll come back to them, but it's interesting. Um, we we talked to your, your neighbors in this business over at Middle West, yeah. and uh, you you followed, or they followed. Every, it seemed like in order to pay the bills and keep the lights on, since you couldn't make whiskey and sell it right away, you went with vodka and gin, because as they said, and I'm sure the same thing, that's what paid the bills and kept the lights on initially but then you just you don't just make any vodka you you make an incredible vodka thank you yeah Yeah. no that's that's the idea incredible vodka and And gin and gin the the four peel kind of took the market in 2010 2011 and uh i say took the market in our world it was definitely the, the the those two products that 
that kept the lights on and kept us going. Mm-hmm. And with those two, you can make them in a couple of weeks. So, you know, you, you're, you're going from zero to in the bottle in a couple of weeks and it's out on the shelf where bourbon, you can make it in a couple of weeks, but then it sits in one of these barrels around us. Let's bring some of that watershed. Yeah. Uh, bourbon on over here because i think our glasses mm-hmm. have been empty i think this is the longest that we've gone on <laughs> yeah. a podcast so, so with, the, with, with, we're empty, itching. with empty glasses well and i think that's uh greg i i came here uh, we have a mutual friend who gave us a tour uh, of this place about 2011 yeah. and i think you had just started aging the aging process for some of your your bourbon at that point yeah you know a funny story about that bourbon uh we used to think if we shook the barrels, yeah, it would age it a little quicker. You get more interaction with the wood, and right. maybe there is some truth to that. But at Cheers. that time, when we only had a few stacks of barrels, we could go out there and shake the barrels you every could day. Do it yourself. Now you look around here, and you're like, I no, no one's gonna shake. Well, the it's funny. We, uh, um, Chris Delavi uh, told us that um, there's a, 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 and I can't, his name escapes me, but he's making the uh, Metallica bourbon oh okay and, and he, it listens to metallic and, yeah yeah, yeah, and, yeah. And the vibrations yeah. of the music are supposed to rattle yeah, the, yeah, the mo- molecules there, and there's a couple of distilleries that are messing yeah. around with that some so of them maybe you're always play something. music in the i think you were house. onto something before you even knew yeah. it yeah. yeah so if there was music playing <laughs> if you thought there was music that would affect the, the well taste. those vibrations yeah, would yeah. get more interaction with the wood and the mm-hmm. spirit and uh, yeah, you know, especially Metallica. Yeah, you know? yeah, Metallica <laughs> might be the best. Way to get what, would, what would they play at Watershed? You know, I mean, <laughs> I mean, if you played, if you played Michael Bolton, would it be like a really wimpy, yeah. <laughs> really wimpy? Uh, I think you're right. It's all said and done. That's a good question. What's These your what's your, what's your soundtrack? With Celine Dion. <laughs> no, they're way hipper than this. Is, this is Canadian Dion. whiskey, right? This is, we're not Canadian whiskey. <laughs> Let's do a little toast here as we kick off uh, some of these many tastings that we have. But this is now this one is this the is this the uh, the two year old? Is it four years old? Which how old is this one that so, we that we're holding on to so right now? This one that we're holding is four years old. Four years old. Yeah, we've just uh, when we started this same label was two years old, uh, but we put a lot more in the barrel every year than we take out, and it's slowly gotten older and older. Oh, nice and nice. Yeah, because I know and. You you got some six year stuff getting ready to yeah come up yeah right? that's an exciting thing um, well, yeah the longer you go the better it tastes the, the more complexity the on the end um, yeah we took some of our we launched an apple brandy a couple years ago and when we dumped those barrels we took some of our oldest bourbon and filled those barrels and that will be six years old in the next few months and sometime in 2020 the secret's still out of when that will be but that's we're going to bottle that. And uh, but we can say for the podcast sake that it's coming. You know, oh yeah, it's coming. Tell us oh when, yeah, it's, it's coming. Twenty twenty, yeah. it's coming. Uh, we, we, might have, we might products, have a special yeah. uh, birthday in twenty twenty oh, uh, that, that may calendar. be celebrating uh, with a with a barrel aged with a ten or a six year ten year birthday six year product, and we're going to bring it out at barrel strength, which is going to be fun. Oh. That'll be a fun. It'll one. be your ten year. Yeah. Yeah. We do love we do love a barrel strength product. Yeah, we have, so do we. This is great. It's very sweet. This is yeah. This is this is uh, it's good. This, this is this is kind of it's, yeah. it's, it's very sweet and um. And it's it, it smells. This I don't. I, I'm not the, the expert here, but it smells almost like almost a Scotch smell. But it I don't have that taste profile at all. Right, right, right. There, there. You, you don't get the peat to it, but you do get that nice 
Um, toasted. There's toasted and almost a little bit of nuttiness. Yeah, so this, yeah. this bourbon yeah, that has nut, five grains that and, nut is and one, one that's a little bit unique in there. What is the what, is, would, the, what would the bill be on this? So bill? you got corn. Yeah. You got wheat. You got rye. You have spelt and malted barley. Wow. And spelt is the unique one. Spelt. Where, spelt. Yeah. Uh, Ohio State did a bunch of research with with spelt, and they got farmers growing it. And Ohio is one of the top spelt growing states. What is because spelt? Of it, think of it like an ancient wheat. Okay. So it's um, because it sounds like something that shouldn't be in anything. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> sounds like slang, something. Like, yeah, yeah. Out it's of there. got. It's a little spelty. <laughs> yeah. I gotta say that it's good, but it's a little spelty. I don't care for it. No, this is great. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. I think you got it. <laughs> Yeah, that that's kind of our nod to Ohio. I'm channeling an old Jewish. Yeah, girl. right. Yeah, well, you know. but, uh, but it's good. The, or just the opposite. It's good. You know why it's good? The kid put some spelt in it. It needed some spelt, and it's got the spelt, and that's what makes it a good whiskey. All right. I think we got our salesman. Here. I told you. I told our you. This, guy. this is it. I don't know what it is, but I'll take a dozen. Yeah. Uh, no, that's good. So uh, yeah. You know, we're close to Kentucky, and, right. and apparently they make a little bit of bourbon down there. So this is yeah. our nod. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is our nod to Ohio. Like, we've got spelt here. Yeah. We're using spelt. Don't what do you guys think spelt. about that down there? That's kind of our... Speltless. That's Red delicious. Necks. Yeah. <laughs> and it's got a... No offense. It's got a really nice finish. Thanks. A really nice finish. So when you're making any of these, um, who has the, the final say? If you will, as to like, good, good to go. Well, I mean, do you have uh, other tasters other than yourself and Dave. Yeah. So it, when we started, off? when we started, Dave and I had final say. Well, it was only Dave and I mm -hmm. uh, for the first two years, and then we hired some people. We still had final say. We controlled a lot of it, and actually, so Dave was my business partner until a year ago, and in August of last year, I bought out his shares, and maybe you guys knew that. Um, Did not. Okay. So that's why Dave isn't here tonight. I didn't just like box him out and tell him he couldn't come be on the air. Um, he's not here anymore. I bought him out. We split. It was a very, um, uh, we're, we're still buddies. Amicable is what they say. Amicable, mm -hmm. yeah. But amicable sounds like we barely made it happen, but we shook hands <laughs> at the end. Like, I don't hate the guy, but no, we're still friends. We're, we're really still friends. And uh, we, we somehow started it, did well, both went our separate ways. And so then I'm sitting here going, all right, so I got to do a lot of stuff now because he's not here. And I, I thought about what that really looked like and thought, nah, I can't do all of it. So the nice thing is we have a really great team. And so lately, uh, I've been taking off that, that tasting off of my plate. And we have a team. We have actually a sensory panel. This sounds very official. Oh, we have a sensory man. panel. Sensory panel. <laughs> and actually, the sensory panel is made up of a couple of our bar, bar team, a couple of our production team. Uh, and myself, and uh, every once in a while we get, to, actually, one of the marketing marketing guys is pretty much full-time on the Century panel as well. So we have this cross-section, and it's not just one or two pallets tasting everything, it's the team. And I think that's going to bring our level up even higher. Oh, absolutely. Uh, yeah. You know, I, starting from nothing, I think I look at myself and, and say, like, like I'm, I'm making it up as I go, and I'm not an expert here. And so it, it's easier for me to be like, yeah, I... I feel like I know what good stuff when I taste it, but 
there's no reason if we lean on more of our people that have a lot of experience, they can't even get it better. So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and our bar team is, and, and our marketing team, they're all really talented. So, uh, I mentioned you started with the, the, the vodka and the gin, but what made you decide to change the recipe on the vodka? You know, we have some great uh, corn in Ohio. Uh, if you've ever driven down 70 or 71. Corn, you, corn, corn, yeah, corn, 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 You've corn, seen corn, the corn. corn. Yeah. Uh, but we also do a great job with a lot of other stuff in Ohio, including apples. And so we got connected with a guy that you might have to take that uh, quarter ounce pour off of there. Sorry. That's okay. That, you know what? Uh, Johnny's quarter trying to give us a little quarter ounce pour for my boys is just there's ten bottles yeah. on the table. Right, quarter ounce true. is perfect. Well, yeah, ten put the quarter ounce pour on there. You took the lid off the whiskey, and I said, "I said to myself, very generous of him. What a class move! He takes the the measured pour off of there. But you know what? I've worked with these guys for three years. Quarter ounce pours plenty." You got sleeping bags there, back here. There. There's a couch right out there. There we go. I'll wake up and find two strangers, you know, nestled up against a barrel before it's all said and done. Two new members of your panel right here. Luckily, the barrels are heavy. They can't pick it up and walk away with it. <laughs> um, thank you. Now, let me have a little bit of the vodka. I'll get to it. Right. Oh, you gave me some already? Good. Nice. Yeah. Nice. yeah. Quarter leave, ounce. Leave quarter ounce. Quarter you. ounce. <laughs> That's fine. That's all I need. Leave those lids on. We're, we'll be just fine. Uh, so, <laughs> So this vodka is, um, it's a nod to Ohio. We, we grow a lot of great stuff in Ohio, and, and we got connected with this apple farmer, or not apple farmer, this cider, uh, this guy that makes cider. And he goes around a, a lot of apple farms in Ohio, collects the apples, presses the cider. In fact, we can't even purchase anything from him like during the fall because he's making for grocery stores and under demand. But the rest of the year, we can get this great cider from him. He'll press it the day before, deliver it. And so we started making some vodka with it, and it's delicious. And so we mix it with our corn, and, and that's what you So is that wow. So is the old vodka recipe still out there as well? Or now we just completely moved over completely to this Completely moved over to this one. Over. And it's uh, a combination of uh, some great Ohio apples. Johnny's shaking his head like, it's the most amazing thing I've ever tasted. <laughs> Oh, thanks. I'm, I'm, I'm glad you like it. Thank and you. And I know a lot of local bartenders love it for making their masterpieces because it's clean. It is. You know, it's, it, it's is, it is very, it's, it's almost, it's, 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 it's clean and it's almost, uh, I can't think of the word, I'm, fresh. Yeah, there's fresh. subtle sweetness from There's a, there's a freshness about to it. corn and apples and what that will impart. It's beautiful. Thank you. Yeah. And then the, uh, there's the four-peel gin and then there's the... I've not had the four peel gin. I we had on the program. Uh, you have been on whiskey business. We had your watershed distillery bourbon gin. Yeah, the uh, we had yeah. Fritz the Night Owl, iconic Fritz Perenboom from Night Owl Theater, and he's a gin guy. And at the same, but that's when we were trying to stay true to our roots on whiskey business. So yeah. we're like, what do we do? We always and then, then ah, the watershed gin barrel in gin. bourbon yes. barrels it counts. And that you know, I used to drink gin and tonics when I was in yes. uh, when I was in college. That was my my go to drink in college. And man, I wish that would have been around. Yeah, I uh, bring a bottle of that to my mom. Lives in Indiana, and I don't, I, she either can't get it locally there. Can you? No, sell it we can't sell yeah. it in Indiana yet. So Thanks for I, taking I, it I imported it, and, and therefore, yeah. No, that's awesome. Thanks whatever. for taking it across state lines. I don't Hansberry. sell it for Jim Canepa. <laughs> I do it legally. It's gifted. 
I'm telling you, there's got to there's there's one consistent element in everything I've tasted so far, and that's just smooth. It is. Everything Thanks. is smooth. There's no there's 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 nothing bitter or you know the the finish on all these is 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 lasting but pleasant, and yeah, that's the gin. Man, I might start drinking gin again <laughs> on a regular basis. I'm telling you, Get this bourbon barrel uh, gin on a like in a gin and tonic on a Spring evening. Well, I I I, so, I I do like that one, the bourbon barrel gin, uh, a lot because of what it was, you know, put into. But tell us about the Guild gin yeah, and so why is guild, that so? The, why is that standalone? So the Guild gin was actually a very limited release product. We made it with Cameron Mitchell's team. Uh, so you've heard of this this guy, Cameron Mitchell. And Cameron Mitchell. He's, he's, yeah, mm. he's got a couple of fast right, food joints right, around town. Right, right. <laughs> Uh, so what, what we did, he's got a place called Guildhouse, and when that opened, they wanted to do something cool. Right. And we were kind of like, well, we, have, we make spirits here in town. Let's do something cool together. And so we sat down with their, their beverage and their food team, their chef and their, and their beverage team, and said, what if we made a gin? And so they came in here, and over the course of uh, several months, we tried a bunch of di- different recipes. We came up with some stuff, and this is what we ended up with. And it's a... Um, it's kind of a nuttier gin than our four peel, but then we soak fresh chamomile flowers mm. in the gin after we make it, and you get this great uh, good. chamomile flavor. Mm-hmm. And don't feel like you have to finish these pours. Um, oh no, we must. We are semi-professionals. Right. We will. We will finish them. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So this this. This chamomile, as you smell it, you'll notice it on the nose, but it's got this great finish. So, wow, cool story about this gin. When we made it, the guys, uh, uh, the team at Cameron's was, uh, they were pumped. And they're like, this is the best gin you've ever made. And I tasted it, and I was like, yeah, this gin is amazing. They're like, you should enter it into the San Francisco World Spirits Competition. And that's like the... The, you know, the big daddy. The big daddy. The big and, daddy. And all the big guys go, and all the small guys go. And if you win there, you're playing against everybody in the world. And we... You know, they said uh, they said let's enter it. You're gonna win, and we're like, no, nobody. Like, we're just wasting money if we enter that. It doesn't make sense. <laughs> well, they kept saying it, and finally convinced us to to put it in there. And um, the best award you can win is double gold, best in class. And we thought there's no way we're gonna do that, um, but maybe maybe we'll get a, a medal. You know, you get a bronze or silver. Well, we ended up. Double gold, best in nice. class. Best in class. Um, Are these blind it, taste tests? By blind the way? taste tests. So that's that. I think so mine is the way. I mean, is, is, is and the you're, most you're fair. going against the big guys, the whole deal. So when right. that came in, we were just floored, and and um, those guys were kind of like I told you. So they're used to doing great things for us. This was uh, we were pretty pumped <laughs> about it. Yeah, it, I mean, you, you could. Ju- yeah, I mean, and we're and we're not. You know, we're drinking these neat. We're not, you know, they're not part of a craft cocktail of any sort, which I will get to a, a big question here in a moment in respects to that. But these are just right out of That's the bottle. Good. And again, yeah, the chamomile, for sure. You know, I always think, when I think of chamomile, I think of the nice tea right. that Sleep, I'm supposed to have. Sleepy time tea. Yeah, sleepy like time. No, 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 yeah. I drink. No. <laughs> I'm going to start drinking this. <laughs> this is a chamomile tea, but I ain't going to sleep. Right. I want to be calling these guys at 2 in the morning going, let's do something. Hey. <laughs> let's do a podcast right now. Let's go. Fired up. Uh, now, the, the Guild Gin is uh, just over 30 bucks a bottle. Yeah. Yeah, all your stuff's very affordable. Yeah, your stuff. Yeah. yeah, your your stuff keeps the the uh, 
the average, you know, the person that walks into a, any any given liquor store at any given time, I would say the majority of those people have somewhat of a budget in mind, and the watershed products seem to stay in that in that yeah, reasonable that was, price. That was kind of a nod to Ohio, also, and um, we kind of thought about it as. When we hit the market, Grey Goose was still really high priced, and we always talked like, hey, Grey Goose is the New York City flashy marketing. We're kind of the Columbus, Ohio, where the price isn't crazy, and you get the bottle and taste it, and you're like, wow, that was way better than I thought it was going to be. That was really cool. That was a great experience. Beautiful. But, now, I have a question, and, uh, and I want to know if, if the next bottle that we're going to try was, was a risk, because the old-fashioned... This is pretty much an old-fashioned in a bottle, correct? It is. All right? Yeah. Um, I may say a couple words that may sound offensive, but I don't mean them to be. I'll try okay? not to be offended. Okay. Uh, almost a little cutting corners, gimmicky, you know, for, so to speak. I mean, you know, like the old-fashioned, we, we've had a lot of, uh, of bartenders on the show that pride themselves on making on old fashions on making you know any cocktail any cocktail and right. then when they talk about the old fashioned and so forth and so on they go well I make the best old fashioned and then you have the audacity you have the nerve how dare, the, the, how dare you sir to put an old fashioned in a bottle and mass produce them <laughs> and say that it will be poor goddammit <laughs> and say that it will be it will be the best old fashioned that you, and one one stop shopping so to speak if you will and goddammit I've had this before and it's good it's good it's really really good but did you did you did you think about any of that when you were going into the we're going to make an old fashioned we're, like I said, one-stop shopping. We're going to put it all in a bottle so you don't have to think about anything. Just pour and enjoy. Yeah, you know, we definitely thought about that and thought, you know, our main customer with a lot of this stuff is the bartender. And the bartender is out there putting it on cocktail menus so people can enjoy it. And we sell in the liquor store as well. But we looked at it and we just, we wanted something at the holidays where you could go into a liquor store and get a bottle and take it to a party like a six-pack of craft beer or a bottle of wine, and set it down on the counter, and someone could crack it open and go and go. And that's go. exactly how yeah. I. That's funny you say that because anytime I'm going to like a party or buddy's house, that's I get that. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah it's, all, it's worth one. This is the guy. That's that's yep. what's working. Yeah, he's yeah. Well, he's always your guy. <laughs> <laughs> he can always he can always yeah. be your guy. That's awesome. <laughs> but but the reason the reason I I question is because. Um, let, Kentucky Derby time, all right? right? There's a lot of people that pride themselves on making the mint julep. And there's yeah. some liquor companies out there, I won't mention them by name, that come up with an already preformed mint julep bottle and, quite honestly, don't care for it. Right. I don't yeah. care for it. So that was, I, I'm curious if you thought that that would be a, a risk of any sort. We were all really skeptical because I, when okay. I hear like That's bottled, I when it. I hear bottled cocktail, like I am one hundred percent skeptical. And there was some stuff on the shelf in Ohio not too long ago, and you'd see it, and it was all separated. It was yeah. like bottled cocktail, and I, yeah, I'd look at it and I'd be like, "Oh, like is that still good? I don't know if it's good. Probably you shake it up and it's fine." But um, we were very skeptical. So and, good, and we weren't going to do it until we went out and made it and had it 
down where we thought actually this is really really good it really is so um, So success success yeah yeah yeah. and still like every once in a while we come in and and a bartender tastes it and he's like yeah but you haven't had mine and i'm like all right right, that's fair that's that's what every bartender says and there's a lot of different my old-fashioned yeah right you haven't had my you know and that's why they're in the business that's why they're so on that's why they're bartenders and how do you make it do uh, without revealing company secrets is i mean just add a Add all the ingredients up. And yeah, that, you know it, it's, it's it's not it's not a huge secret. Yeah, so yeah, we have yeah. two types of bitters. Yeah, we have aromatic bitters and we have orange bitters. Perfect. We have bourbon whiskey. Yeah, we have cherry juice and sugar. And you just mix it up. And we mix and it up. And it's just. And we have a giant tank across the street that's three thousand gallons. <laughs> it's a good. And there's an agitator, so we can mix any size batch we once in, want in there, and um, you know, it's easy. Yeah, I guess that makes sense. Instead of shaking, well, yeah, yeah. instead of shaking the agitator, there's or the the three thousand gallon tank. We have a bottle. So does the success of the old fashioned from Watershed Distillery make you think about putting another Manhattan cocktail, a Manhattan in a bottle, or 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 a a rusty nail in a bottle, or 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 maybe not a rusty nail because that's kind of a well, the mint julep you alluded to, yeah, yeah, but but some of the more popular. Cocktails? Does it make you think that? Well, we hey, we kicked ass with the old fashioned. Let's let's do a Manhattan. I mean, we've had the conversation. Uh, anytime you have a license and a still, and you can make whatever you want, you you talk about a lot of things. But uh, we we haven't pulled the trigger on anything because um, we want to make sure it's great. And uh, honestly, we've tried making a couple other things, and we can't get anything that's home run like this is. Mm-hmm. And until we do that, we won't. And that's really good. So, I mean, despite what I said when I said, when I prefaced it, like, I don't want to offend you when I right. say gimmicky. Yeah. You know, no, but it, 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 it I, worked. I totally get it. I it totally worked. get it. It worked. It worked. So. And, and that's where I think you're not wrong. When I hear bottled cocktail, I, I automatically think, meh. You know, we were recently um, just, um, for the next one I want to try, and I want to see if if you you and your team are on top of something, that you kind of know what the next thing is going to be. But we were at a recent uh, grand reopening uh, for the Hyde Park on the cap. Yeah. And we talked to their beverage director over there, and he had this amazing uh, vault Mm -hmm. of of high-priced liquors that were in there and so forth. And he mentioned in passing, and I want to try this next, he mentioned in passing that uh, we should be ready – and waiting for a brandy and cognac explosion, uh, a, a return to those particular liqueurs, if you will. And I'm curious if with that apple brandy, if that's something that Watershed has kind of picked up on and, and that, you know, brandy and, yeah. and cognac is going to be a thing. I don't know if that's be smart. There. We want to be there right, on, right out of the gate. I don't know if that's smart, but... We grow a lot of great apples in Ohio and thought, let's make some fun brandy with it. And like anything, we kind of start with the with something exciting and fun. And if it turns into something amazing in the bottle, then we try to sell it. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of what this But what did. possessed you to go with a brandy? Um, it's really close to whiskey. Okay. Yes, it is. And so we kind of thought, like, well, we're making whiskey from grains in Ohio. This is kind of like whiskey from apples. And uh, we think apples are delicious and make great spirits, so let's see what happens. And if you taste this one, it's 
there's no sugar in it. It's not sweet. It, it, people, I think that's one of the educational pieces in Ohio. Like you got to tell people, like apple brandy, think of it like whiskey. Grain, you're fermenting it, and then you're distilling it. With apple, you're doing the same thing. None of that sugar goes through, but you get some of that flavor from the apple, flavor from the barrel, and it's like just a just a different complexity than than whiskey. How long has this one been out? This is two. Well, it's been out two years, and it's two years in the barrel. Two years in the two barrel. Two years old. Um, and uh, how's this one? How's this one doing? It's doing really well. Because uh, brandy it, and, and cognac is something that I do enjoy. Yeah. And I think about it more so in the in the fall, in the winter. Right. This it, is the it, perfect time of year. It is, yeah. a, it is a very seasonal. It's apple cider time of year. And yeah. I'll tell you what, if you take if you take your bourbon cocktails like your old fashioned, yeah, and you put half bourbon and you put half apple brandy in there, you'd be amazed at, at what it adds to your cocktail. Manhattan old fashioned. Uh, oh, that's put a splash too. of apple brandy in there. I'm seeing that more and more with the craft cocktails. Add in, you know, mixing the brandies with. I no, I could, I else. could yeah. sip that. Yeah, well, yeah, all night but long you, you in front like of a fire. Just, anyway. I do, I do, I do. This is what our team drinks at home. Yeah. Like our sales team, they'll take this and they 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 want to sip on this. They love that product. Yeah, that is very very good. You were a pro volleyball player, right? I was a pro volleyball player. You were a pro volleyball player. Go on. <laughs> Don't, I'm just not leave that hanging. Just you know what? Yeah. We, so that that was a it was a it was a fantastic time. I it was a good time. It, it was, was a fantastic time. It was a fantastic time. Uh, I played volleyball at Ohio State. In the men's volleyball program at Ohio State is is amazing. Like yeah, they have a really is. good program, and uh, I was fortunate enough to barely make the team, and. Uh, but played, but I didn't have a, a team in high school. My dad played volleyball. My dad was actually on the first varsity team ever at Ohio State in wow. 1968. He was the legacy continued. He, he was the captain of the team. And the so legacy I, continued. I, I grew up. I grew up playing volleyball. I was just around it all the time. <laughs> and pretty soon, like in you know middle school or high school, I realized like, hey, I'm I'm actually pretty good at this compared to everybody else. And and so and I'm um, tall, <laughs> right? Yeah. So all, all that helped. And so then I got to Ohio State. And I got on the team and, and redshirted a year, but then just, like, I loved it. I played so hard, and we had a great program, great coaches. And, and it ended up my, my last year, my fifth year, we were at the Final Four. And then uh, there was a, some, scout, some coaches from Switzerland over trying to figure out, like, we need some guys to come play. And it wasn't like we want that guy, Greg Lehman. It was like, hey, anybody graduating that would want to come play in Switzerland, we probably have a contract for them. And I was like, I was that guy that said, uh, what about me? That sounds great. I'll, How old are you at this that. point? Yeah, I'm like 23. 23. So, uh, yeah, yeah, I pick yeah. me. Switzerland, no, I'm, right. I'm in. Right. Mountains, right? right? Yeah. That sounds great. Europe? Okay. <laughs> and and it, wasn't like, it wasn't like pro basketball, pro football like we think of here where I was getting paid millions of but dollars. But it was still pro. But, but it was like I had a car and my rent was covered. And I had some food and I had some travel money and I was playing volleyball and it was amazing. And I was coming from school where I had nothing. So, yeah, so uh, it was perfect. And So how does, some, how does a career like that when you're playing pro volleyball, I mean, you, you, you have to think at that point in time in your life that this is, this is who I am and this is what I'm going to be. What changed that? Well... I think with volleyball, you... How do you go you, from being you, a pro volleyball player you realize with to volleyball, selling drugs to pig yeah, farmers? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know how I got there. But, <laughs> but I think what you realize with volleyball is, look, 
you, you can do it for a few years, but you got to be like the best and the best of the world to make a career of it. Like mm-hmm. there's no, um, there, there's no real up. I mean, the, the upside's so small. So after a couple of years, my, you know, my body's falling apart, which I say I, literally <laughs> after a couple of years, it's not like they have a whole medical team to put it back together. Well, how old yeah, are you right now? I'm, 42. 42. No, but, but oh, at, at 25. I put, put him in his late 30s. At 25, at 25, like when I'm two years into playing professional volleyball, my, you know, my body's hurting and it's one of those things where I'm like, what? It, part Seriously, of it was from like, playing volleyball? Yeah, from playing uh, well, volleyball. I mean, I, I, not being, a, not being, right. not right. being anywhere close to a professional athlete of any sort, what, what falls apart on a so, professional so volleyball about, player? So you think about like jumping. And the amount of jumping that we do. So it was back and knees and toes. Like toes, literally. I'd have surgery on my toe. Toes? It, yeah, my toes. Because when I was you landing, there's just impact on them and, and shoulders go. So, But here's the thing. If I was making the money that people in the NFL or the NBA made, sure, I wasn't falling apart at all. I was feeling great. But if I'm living on barely anything in Switzerland and, and there's really not a whole lot of medical coverage in my... There's a lot, of <laughs> a lot of blonde volleyball players in Switzerland. Uh, so, uh, you know, after a couple of years, it's kind of like, um, you know, you realize, like, all my buddies are starting to make some decent money and, yeah. and back at real jobs and, like, you know, kind of outside the U.S. And the Swiss thing is wearing off a little bit. And I'm like, I should, we should it's time to grow what up did a little you, bit. What, Go did get stu- a real job. what did you study in college? International business. International business. Yeah. So when you go, when you go, I'm just curious. Uh, maybe well, I'm being an ass. I no, apologize. no, no. It's good <laughs> because on every podcast, I'm known for asking an asshole question. But when you're going to Pfizer and applying for a job at Pfizer, on your resume is professional volleyball on the resume. Well, so here's the thing. So I, didn't, I, didn't, <laughs> I didn't segue straight to Pfizer. So here's what I did. I went back to the U.S. And talked to everybody I knew. And one of the guys that came and visited us in Switzerland, so my wife was over there the second year. First year I was alone, second year I was, my wife was over there. And so uh, this guy who's really, he's, he's very well known, very well connected in the pig industry, one long-time, <laughs> long-time family friend comes over. I'm sorry. Uh, yeah. I'm sorry. Very well connected in the pig in industry. The pig industry. <laughs> it's real. Uh, it sounds like a very... There's some money in this that is the, This there's is the guy that like you want to hook up bacon. with He's very well connected in the pig industry this is <laughs> Making bacon right, right. He's a sausage guy uh, okay. So, so right. here's the thing He comes over and visits <laughs> us And we have a great time with him And he says look I know you might be done after this year Come, come down to North Carolina He lived in North Carolina okay. And he says uh, I'll introduce you to some people Well I realize now he wanted to hire my wife because as soon as we got down to North Carolina, he introduced me to a guy and I got this job. And within uh, two weeks of me getting the job, he offers my wife a job, which was great. I mean, she loved it there and and he's a good guy, a really good guy. Um, But I always give him a hard time. Like you you just wanted to hire Lee and you knew (laughs) I wasn't going to move down there unless I had a job. Um, but anyway, it worked out. She was in the pig industry, and I was in the pig industry. So we found ourselves <laughs> going going from Switzerland, where <laughs> you know we're in this small town, but they're really well connected, worldly, this whole thing, to Eastern North Carolina in this tiny town where there's 
infinitely more pigs than people. (laughs) (laughs) We we both work in the same building about a mile from where we live. So we went from like being connected to the world to nowhere in North Carolina in the matter of months. And in uh, a town where there were more pigs than people. Way more pigs. Uh, You can look it up. Duplin. Duplin County, North Carolina. It led led to the birth of Watershed. Uh, We had a fantastic time down there. (laughs) We met some great people in North Carolina. It was was fun. Um, But I was working for this syringe company, and I got the job because I didn't know anything about pigs, but he needed help in Europe with his distribution over there. And ah, I said, look, okay. I, I can speak German. Everything, I can speak Spanish. I can speak English. Connected, man. And you give me this job and teach me pigs, and I'll fly to <laughs> Europe, and I'll help you with your business over there. Perfect. And uh, it, it, his, his deal was two weeks of every month, you're on the road. And so my territory was everything outside the U.S. And two weeks out of every month, I was traveling to Canada, Mexico, Europe, South Africa, Australia, New wow. Zealand. Like, wow. I was everywhere. And, um, you know, at the time, at that age, it was great. Yeah, absolutely. And so I learned pigs and flew around the world and sold pig farmers all over the world syringe. I was in the syringe business. What, but, were, the, what were the syringes, what, what were you selling? I, uh, you, so, mentioned, you mentioned it uh, earlier. Right. And so, like saying, what, what, what drug? Well, so the syringe business, like this is where I started. It, you put the vaccine in there, like Into let's the say pigs. flu vaccine. Pigs okay. get flu, like people. Yes, and pig, so you yeah. put you swine about flu. We were, yeah, yeah, swine yeah, flu. Yeah, We've heard yeah, about yeah. it. Yeah. So you put that vaccine in the syringe, and then you give it to the pig. So they don't get the. So they don't get the flu. So they don't get the flu. flu. Do they just call it normal flu? Probably. It's just yeah, the it's swine just flu. Just if you're in the pig, if you're a pig, yeah, you're just getting the flu. We call it swine flu because we're not pigs. I'm just glad we cleared that up. They don't. They don't call it the human flu. They don't call it people flu. Yeah. Okay. Good. Uh, I'm glad we cleared that up. I was wondering about that. All right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, We have totally fallen off the track on that one. But (laughs) no, don't get me weird with the. the, uh, So then syringes led to drugs. You know, it's all, you know, it's uh, uh, pig pig drugs, of course. Oh, man. That was the segue. You were wondering. I saw that look in your eye. You were wondering how I got from volleyball to To pigs. To To to, to pigs. And then then to pigs. No, I'm always. You know, we always say on, on on this podcast that everybody's got a story, yeah, and everybody's guys got a history, and what we try to do is, you know, kind of pull it out a little bit <laughs> to find out, yeah. uh, you know, how you go from this to this to this, yeah, right, yeah, it's it's kind of a crazy path, a real crazy path, yeah. The last time I came here, which was about ten years ago, we played a game called Hammerschlagen. Oh yeah, and uh, there was just one little room over there, and Hammerschlagen's. You, you, everybody bellies up around a, uh, a, lo- a, big, a log. big big log, yeah. and you get a hammer, <laughs> and everybody just takes turns whacking the nail and then uh, 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 into the log, and the first person to get their nail into the log wins. Wins wins a t-shirt. Now that that was kind of the U.S. <laughs> rules, yeah. So I learned this game in Switzerland when I lived over so there. So that's what, all right. That's what I was wondering if that's and, the influence. So it's uh, international. So where you know i was playing volleyball right and the the president of the fan club owned a bar right across the street from my house so you know this was a good situation here yeah 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 Um, and in the middle of that bar they had a hammerschlagen log and we would play hammerschlagen almost every night and the way they (laughs) played whoever was last 
had to buy the next round of drinks. Uh, and so, okay. like, I was I a like hit. That. I, I was like a hit with Hammerschlagen with the local guys because I was always last. Like, they were amazing. Uh, they, they wanted to yeah. So I was in there buying drinks, and they called me uh, Last Place Greg. That was my nickname. It's uh, I'm not making that up. Um, <laughs> you should, you should like, be familiar. Uh, yeah, it's, uh, yeah. I've, I've been called that before. Yeah, I've called that before. He knows that. He knows that one. Uh, so anyway, uh, <laughs> when, when we started Watershed, we're like, let's get a log. And I thought to myself, like, I can finally lose this nickname. Like, uh, I can beat some people over here. And so we got this log and we played it every time. There you go. To kick off the tour. He it was inspired kind of our us to, yeah, to, to, to get a log. We had a log. We carried, We moved a log to two houses because of this guy. Yeah. Thank you. I don't know what it would <laughs> consist of, but I think there should be a Watershed Distillery Hammerschlagen. Of some sort. I don't know what hammer. I don't know. A tournament. What, I don't know. What, Let's no, have a tournament. No, I don't know in a bottle. Oh, oh yeah. I don't know. I don't know what would go in. I don't know what would go in. That's our next hammerschlagen. But uh, you know, people would buy it just to say, "Hey, man, Let's, look what I brought. I brought the hammerschlagen. Let's get hammerschlagen. Uh, I, <laughs> I brought the hammerschlagen. I don't know. <laughs> First, they had the spelt, and then, then miraculously, they came up with the hammerschlagen. The they're geniuses over there. They had the schmelt, then the hammerschlagen. It's nice. All I can say is the next morning, maybe some locks and some bagels and some hammerschlagen <laughs> would be ideal. All right. <laughs> no, we're not getting to the Cheeto yet. <laughs> I have a. I, I have. I'm going back to serious podcasting now. <laughs> Too late. Yes, I am. No, I'm not. Right, I'm going right. back to serious podcasting. An A3 permits micro distillers to sell their products on site. There was one point in the history of Watershed Distillery where you were at risk of losing that, correct? That's correct. That is correct. And in the process of doing that, um, you started i don't know who actually implemented this but the ohio distillers guild which is um you middle west tomfoolery yeah up in cleveland mm -hmm. all got together and and decided to create this organization to yeah we we started it so that we could have a voice um with the industry, well, not just the industry, but the industry could have a voice. I guess that's a better way to say it. So what we noticed at the time, we needed a law passed, uh, or we were all going to lose this ability to sell bottles to consumers walking in because the limit was really, really small. Basically, if you sold over 5,000 cases mm -hmm. in a year, then you couldn't sell bottles out of your shop. Right. And that's that's pretty small distillery. That's a small, yeah. And um, we're, we're well above that now, and we're still a small distillery. And so we were down talking to lawmakers, and we were really struggling with it as individuals. And what we noticed was... We needed to be uniform. We needed to work together. And so that's when we got together with, with Ryan Lang and Tom Herbrook from Tom's Foolery. And um, I think at the time, we all three saw the need. And as soon as somebody said, let's start a guild, it was like, yeah, let's start a guild. Let's do this. And so then we started a guild. And now we were all this one unified voice, like, hey, we're the Ohio Distillers Guild. Now we're going to get shit done. And we went down to the state. And we epically failed again uh, because we really didn't know the process. And we were just found ourselves kind of making people mad instead of really um, telling our story and getting things done. 
and it wasn't until we as the guild connected with uh, John Singleton who was a, who's a lobbyist downtown and he's he's worked for us uh, since the beginning um, and he's done a really great job for us uh, just helping us stay organized and, and introducing us to the process it's hard to get a law passed yeah and it's it's amazing like people hear lobbyists and I heard lobbyists and thought like oh that's that's kind of a bad word like we, we're not gonna have a lobbyist we're just a tiny little company <laughs> but you really can't get it done without these guys helping guys or girls I don't I don't mean to use that no I get uh, but it, so it's you know, they are able to tell the process, and it's more complicated than you learned in high school. Uh, we found out really quick. But pretty soon we were down testifying, and we had our bill introduced, and we were talking to the lawmakers. And John just made it much easier to really have conversations with them and get our story across. And as soon as we did that, uh, it was amazing the support we got. Yeah. Um, I, when we did our podcast with Middle West, um, yeah. I, I, I dig the fact that um, they spoke – because I asked them the same question I'm asking you. They spoke very highly of you guys, and you speak very highly of them. But when I look at the Ohio Distillers Guild, you know, there's my cinematic mind starts to revolve, and all I picture is is like a, a, a Godfather moment <laughs> where, where we're where all we coming bring, together. Yeah, where we bring. Yeah, I want to. I want to thank all of the families for coming together <laughs> on this particular venture. You know, I want to thank Tom Fullery for showing up, <laughs> Middle West Spirits, and of course us here at Watershed Distillery. You know, uh, to, to, were you there? You were. You were there. <laughs> <laughs> that's, Look, that's Ryan's we're, voice. We're, that's we're, uh, yeah. we're all in the same business. We all sell whiskey, <laughs> but we need to find a common thread in order to fight the people <laughs> that keep us from making a living for the citizens of Ohio and our families. <laughs> I mean, that's what it feels yeah, like to me. Nice. It's like awesome. the three families get together and decide to unite against a, a, a common enemy. And it takes yeah. place in a, in a back barrel room like <laughs> right, this right, somewhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Back barrel yeah. like this. <laughs> yeah, get the wool caps. I love so, that. So, I, like I mean, in that respect... I mean, there is respect. Yeah. Oh, totally. For it, what it, Middle West it, does, what Tom Foolery does, both of them, all three of you, make excellent products, and that just that just raises the profile of Ohio. It does. It really does. And, and we kind of looked at it at the beginning. You think about like craft spirits in 2010 was less than one percent of the market in mm -hmm. Ohio, and even today it's three percent of the market. And so when we're going into the market and we're thinking about selling our product, um, we're, we're not. Going against Tom's Foolery or Middle West or no. those guys, it's it's the Tito's of the world. It's kind of a bad right. word around here. I no, don't no, know no, no, it, no. But, you You're know, not like, the first person yeah, to say yeah. that. Yeah, I mean, Tito, you sell, you know, it's Texas vodka, and we're up here going, what about Ohio vodka? There's a lot of guys here making right. great Ohio vodka with our corn and our apples. Um, and so that's kind of where we are with it. And we see those guys as... Uh, they've helped out tremendously with the guild, both of those, both of those companies, and and so um, without them, the guild wouldn't have been formed. And I don't know who if started the guild. So if you think about the whose guild, whose idea was it? I think it was Ryan Lang's idea mm -hmm. from Middle West, and I think he called us and said, "Let's do it." And we said, "Who else can we get?" And there wasn't there wasn't anyone else at the time, and. And Tom Foolery was up there, and Tom was all in as soon as he heard it too. And well, his last uh, name is Foolery. 
Yeah. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> um, man. And if I ask, <laughs> with all respects yeah. to Tom Foolery, I've had your, I've had your whiz. I would love to have you on the podcast uh, as well. You if, make good whiskey. And you if really, I, really do. I'm just joking. If I asked Ryan, Ryan might say it was Tom's idea. I'm, I'm not sure, but but I think one of those guys, one of those guys came up with the you, idea. You all knew. You all have the smarts to realize that we need to unite. And, yeah. and and fight a common battle. Yeah, I think we had all realized pretty quickly that uh, I, I mean, at least the way they reacted, I think they were seeing the same things I did. Where it's like, hey, I'm getting nowhere. We're not getting mm-hmm. nowhere trying to change this law. We're getting nowhere trying to really make a difference with the industry. After the success of a distillery that's making great products, gin, vodka, you start with whiskey, brandy. We're going to finish off with the Nachino before it's all said and done as a nice uh, um, post-cocktail, if you will. It's dessert. What possesses you to start a restaurant? Because restaurants, as I'm sure you know, a majority of them fail. That's so true. you have a successful venture going here, and you take a chance on a restaurant, which is right across the street, which, to your credit, is very successful, but also could have flopped. Totally. You know, when we started this business, Dave and I said, there's no way we're starting a restaurant. We, we like the industry. We're excited about the industry. We're going to do spirits. That way we can always go to the restaurants that are in business. We can always take them to the party. There's always people drinking. Let's go there. Let's not put our sign out and start a restaurant. Like, that's, that's really stupid. Restaurants <laughs> fail all the time. And uh, I know exactly, I, I thought the exact same way. And then fast forward to uh, 2015, 2016, somewhere in there, and we're looking at it going, okay, we sell our spirits in the coolest restaurants in Columbus, Cleveland, mm-hmm. Cincy, Atlanta, New York, Chicago. Uh, now we're up in Detroit. And so we're, we're selling our spirits in these cool restaurants. We know all the chefs. We know the bartenders. We know the GMs. We know who's out there doing great things in the restaurant industry. And on top of that, we have this distillery that we're giving tours, and people love coming on tour. After the tour, they want to taste just like this, and then they want to hang out. And at that point, I'm like, well, you guys could buy a bottle, and then I can't sell you anything else but bottles. You can't taste anymore without me losing money. So... Like, see you later. Like, let's go. Like, I know it feels cool to hang out here, but I, like, move along. Right. And so we kind of got to the point where we're like, I think if we had cocktails, and, and this is not a stretch, because we would ask people on tour, hey, if you could have a cocktail now, would you want one? And everyone's like, hell yeah, cocktails. I'm like, no, no, we can't do it. But we're saying, like, if you could, would you want that? And, right. and of course, they said, yes, let's, let's do it. And so we got to the point where we're like, I think we have enough of a brand out there that if we said we're starting a restaurant, people could find it. People could find, find their way over here. I think we know enough people that we could get smart people in to run our restaurant since I don't know what I'm doing and Dave doesn't know what he's doing. And I think location is not quite as important in the world we live in because we all have smartphones and we can all put it in there and be like, these days, uh, yeah. Watershed Distillery, oh, it's two minutes away or five minutes away. Like I drive by there every day. I think somebody somebody even said today. Every like, restaurant yeah. is in an alley. For right. someone it's who in doesn't an alley. live here, it's right. in an alley. It's tucked away. It's in an alley. And yet, 
But with smartphones, we're right here. It, you, uh, oh, it's five minutes. Like, I didn't even know it was right here. And then once you find it, you're part of this, like, cool club yeah. that knows where Watershed you is. Do, uh, I've been to your, you your uh, Street Fest, the gin thing you did. Like, you oh, use yeah. it to your advantage. Like, yeah. you have street parties. Yeah. Yeah, we block off the street. Yeah. And uh, the, the Clinton Township yeah, lets us do go. that. And then uh, we get some music and have a good time. So you, get the, so you know you got, you know you got the, the spirits covered. But then you become acclaimed, and I'm not making this up. I mean, this is this is fact. You become acclaimed for your menu as well, your food. Yeah, Chef Jack does an awesome job. We were very fortunate. We we went up to Cleveland. So he, he's a Columbus guy, and he was here at Sage for a long time. I don't know if you know. I know Sage. Remember Sage? Yeah. Um, and then he went up to Cleveland, and he was at Greenhouse Tavern, which he was there when Jonathan Sawyer won his James Beard Award. He was running Jonathan's Kitchen at that time. That's huge. So he, he knows what he's doing, and... We, when we decided that we were going to start a restaurant, we're like, all right, we'll start a restaurant. It'll be a bar. We won't do any food. We'll get a food truck outside. And then we got closer to it and we're like, yeah, we can't do that. No. Like, we make great spirits. We got to have food to match. So, who's the best great chef? Food we can to get? match. Yeah. Yeah. And we got to have great food. And so uh, we thought, let's get Jack. Like, he would be killer. So we went up and asked Jack and he said no. And we came back down to Columbus and we're like, all right, well, that didn't, that didn't go like we wanted it to. Like, we, we need Jack. And so then we thought about it more and we're like, let, we'll convince him. Like, let's go ask him again. And we went and asked him again. And we we're like, why no? And he said, you know, this, this big thing. He wants to move to Columbus eventually, but it wasn't going to work right now. And he needed to wait a year or, or a long time. And so then we went back to Columbus after the second time. And we're like, shoot. Uh, and so then we finally convinced ourselves, like, well, if he's the right guy, like, why don't we just wait a little longer and adjust our timeline? And so we went up and asked him one more time. And the third time he finally said, yes, I'll come down. Like, these guys must be serious. Like, they're going to, they want me down there. So he came down and he's done a phenomenal job. And, and he, when he first started the menu, so we, you know, we told our investors we're starting a restaurant and they panicked and said, this is a terrible idea. <laughs> and I guess said restaurants, yeah, right, you know, right. a majority of them fail. That's true. And so, and we, there's so we, many restaurants in Columbus. There are. And so we explained why. And we said, we got this great chef. And they're like, what's the food going to be? We're like, I don't know. Like, he's going to create it. <laughs> and so um, we got closer and closer. We hired him. He's on board and we're getting closer to opening day. And we're about three weeks out and I'm still getting calls from investors. And they're like, I'm like, they're like, what's the menu? I'm like, I, I don't know. Jack's going to, he's, he's the guy driving the menu. And a couple weeks before we open, he, Jack comes into my office and he's like, hey, you want to try a couple of these dishes? And I'm like, hell yeah, I want to try these dishes. Come on. <laughs> like, I, I'm dying to try them. And so we go out there and, and he presents dishes to us. And they were amazing, of course. Yeah. And, and he knew what he was doing. And the menu comes together and, and um, the rest is kind of history. Uh, we've been really fortunate to have him on board. And he's, he and the, the general manager, Andrew, have been here since day one. And they really do a phenomenal job. It's a, it, you know, we're, we're recording this on a, on, a, on a Tuesday night. And I can vouch for the fact that all the spots out there for the restaurant are are filled. I mean, you're you're, you're bringing in people on a Tuesday night, which is back here in the alley. In the and an alley, yeah, exactly. And the drink does yeah. he still do the drink menu too? Because the drink menu is second to none as well. Yeah, the it's drink creative, menu is always we delicious. recreate it a couple of times a year, and it's always a it's cool great. theme and and different. And yeah, right now it's a travel theme so you go in there and there's uh it looks like a travel poster on one side and the cocktails that go with that destination on the other tell us about the barrel finished nachino what what what's that all about 
this is a unique one. So when we started our distillery, uh, it was amazing how many people walked in the door with stuff they distilled at home and wanted us to taste it. It was kind of really? like, yeah, I was shocked too. I was like, who well, is distilling? Hey, make my, make, make my. No, it wasn't even make my. It was more like, hey. You guys make product. You want to taste what I make at home. It was just kind of like uh, validation. Like, tell me what I'm making's good. Oh, almost. They just, um, they just wanted. To, well, that's a compliment. Yeah, to you. no, it was a huge and, compliment. Well, well, this guy. So this guy named Charlie walks in, and he wasn't really looking for validation or anything. He knew his product was great, but he was like, "Hey, I make just this Charlie. Charlie, just, just some yeah. guy named Charlie. A, a guy named Charlie walks in, and he made some some fennel cello, some nocino, some oh, different yeah. things." And so he's like, hey, he was a local doctor, he, and, uh, oh, thank you. And he... Uh, he's a doctor? Yeah. And he's a doctor. He, but, he, but he was a foodie and, like, loved making this I stuff. Gotcha. And, and uh, But at the time, like, Dave and I are barely keeping the wheels on. Like I told you, we, right. we try to keep the wheels sure. on. So we're trying to keep the wheels on, and he's like, try my Nocino. And we're like, well, that's fabulous, but we're, we got to make gin and vodka uh, and bourbon. And so... Um, we kind of, you know, a couple years go by and Charlie comes in one day and he says, Hey guys, you can only make Nocino, uh, one time a year. There's a two week period when the walnuts are just right. So it's black walnuts. You got to so pick the walnuts. Is it, is it, that's what's in here. That's what's in here. And you black chop up walnuts. these walnuts and then you add some, ci- uh, some cinnamon, some citrus peel, some vanilla and some clove. And so Charlie comes in and he's like, guys, come to my house today. We're going to make some Nocino. This is after a couple of years of him coming in and, and talking to us. And, and we happen to be free that day. And we're like, let's go over there. Let's see. Well, it turns out he's my neighbor. He lives right around the corner. <laughs> and we're picking walnuts. We make, we make a batch and we go put it in the cellar because it has to sit for a while. And he pulls out some Nocino from years past. And we go out to his patio and we're drinking this stuff. Now try this stuff. And we're taking it, some of it neat, and we're trying some of it over some vanilla ice cream mm. from Jenny's. And this stuff is, it's, it's phenomenal. It's, it's dessert in a bottle, so if you taste a little bit. It, we, let's do it. One more cheers. Yes. Cheers, one more guys. cheers. Yeah. One more cheers before Thanks it's all said and done. Dum, bum, boom. It's like candy. It is like candy. It's so like we're, we're candy. drinking this on his porch in, you know, late June. Eating some ice cream, and Dave and I kind of look at each other and like, all right, we're we're making this product. This is this is amazing. And Charlie was, um, he wasn't he wasn't looking for anything. He said, I share the recipe. He's like, I just think someone should make it. I think it's a great product. And so if you look on the back of the bottle, it says, "Thanks, Charlie." It's uh, yeah, kind of it a cheers to him. And um, he, he, I mean, Charlie lives in town and comes into the distillery when we do events and stuff like that. He'll come and support us. He's been a great supporter from the beginning. And um, he so drinks for free and now. You, and and he drinks for free. <laughs> He's always got a case. Uh, and it's fermented in, in whiskey barrels. Yeah. So yeah. we age this. So what we, we have to make all of it for the year in a two-week wow. period. One-shot period. So we pick all these walnuts. We soak them in vodka with the other ingredients. And then we strain, it out, strain out the liquid. And we take that liquid. We add a little sugar to it. And then we put it in a barrel for a year. And then this is what comes out of beer wow. uh, a year later. And you get that those really like uh, the really bitter tannic uh, walnuts that with that sugar in there and the thyme. It gets sweeter and sweeter and sweeter as it goes. And so um, at the beginning, the first few batches, we had a lot more sugar in it because you taste it right at right you know November December that year, and you're like, ah, it needs more sugar. It needs more sugar. Well, then that same batch a year later. When you taste it, you're like, ah, maybe it's a little too sweet. So we kept backing down the sugar, backing down the sugar until we get what we have here today. Mm-hmm. Well, I think, 
And and just for, um, hang on a second, just for whiskey business purposes, <laughs> toss me back to bourbon. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> hey, now, <come laughs> on, you boys don't need to be involved. Really, you really don't. It's another bottle down here. <laughs> there's, there's really there's <laughs> a thousand <laughs> barrels down here. <laughs> there's a barrel around here somewhere. We, oh, the cork's off. Oh, the cork's off. He's trying to. Oh, and okay. you're saying we're the ones <laughs> wow. who can't taste wow. it? Huh? Wow! Wow! <laughs> I'm trying to pull the cork that doesn't exist off the bottle. Oh Lord! All it's right, been just uh, a little taste. That's you want a little bit? It of is great. You know, you know who picks them for us? The Ohio Nut Growers Association. There's a couple guys from there that pick all the walnuts every year. They do yeah, a great job. Joe and Joe. Joe and Joe come pick Joe all the nuts. Joe and Joe. Yeah, they pick Joe all the nuts. Joe, Daryl, and Daryl. Yeah. Come and pick your... your the, um, oh, there he is. Finishing it off. Yeah, see, this, Not is, what, a drop this is why I said earlier the quarter ounce would be just fine. <laughs> right, right. Because... Hey, there was a quarter ounce left in there. Yeah, perfect, that was a perfect exactly pour. exactly it. <laughs> One last question before we wrap things up. What is the future of Watershed Distillery? The future is we want to take this to a few more places. So we just started selling in Michigan. And Detroit's a fun place. We have a lot of fun going up to Detroit. And it's a great city. Uh, just getting to know the, the industry, the bartenders, the mm -hmm. restaurants, it's been fun. And we kind of look at it and say, like, let's take some of this stuff from Columbus, Ohio, to a few more cities, tell them about it, get to know those cities, and, and have a good time with it. But what are you doing in Butte, Montana? In Butte, Montana? That's where we got our still. Yeah. Yeah. That's have you been out is? there? No. Oh, but, man, uh, it's beautiful the, out there. The, I know, but why, why, why Montana? Well, the, why Butte? Because they, they have uh, amazing stills. Yeah? Yeah, if you go across the street, you can go into our production, and um, we I have mean, two what, stills. What, what led you to, what light bulb went off and said, go get, a, go get a still out there? Yeah. Well, I think it was, we were looking at all the stills available, and the technology that they have in their still out there, mm -hmm. the head frame still, is, um, it's pretty fantastic. So this guy came from the... Uh, uh, I say the oil industry. I think it was um, uh, biodiesel industry. Okay. He was building biodiesel plants. I'm just glad and it wasn't another pig guy. No, no, not a pig guy. <laughs> not a pig guy. Uh, and so what, if you look at how that's made, he basically took that from a big scale and made it down to a very small scale, put it on a pallet, so it's very versatile. We make our vodka, our bourbon, half our apple brandy on that still now. Wow. And it does a phenomenal job. I can pull up on my phone the screen, and I can run it from my phone. Like, it's all digital. It's a very, very cool still. But it's small enough where a guy like us could go in and get it and have that technology. And so gotcha. we kind of fell in love with it. And then we went out to Butte and visited him in Montana. It's beautiful. That was my only time in Montana, and it was it's a beautiful place. Is it Montana they call Big Sky Country? Big Sky, yeah. 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 Is it? Yeah, it is. It, it is. is. Big like, Sky? You're driving around, and it's like mountains in the distance, and we're driving past the Yellowstone River, and it was, it was beautiful. Um, and so, in fact, we had to drive through. There's always a story with, with this. So we're flying out there, and it was a big storm. Uh, Dave Rigo and I were flying out there, big storm. And we got diverted, so we were in Colorado, and we had to connect, and we were supposed to go to Butte, and we ended up in, what's the biggest city in uh, Billings? I think Billings is the biggest city. 
Uh, eh, yeah, I'm stretching. Anyway, yeah, we're, we're clear okay. on the other side of the state is where we get, they flew us into. They're like, you're still in Montana, but here you go. You're way on the other side of the state. So we get there. We're in the wrong city. We rent a car, and we drive across most of Montana to get out to Butte. Not most. Uh, a good. It seemed like most. It's, it, it was probably bigger than Ohio, but a fraction of Montana. Anyway, but it was cool. We got to see a lot of the state, and it was beautiful out there. We fell in love with the still itself and uh, got it back here and, and been making more booze ever since. Yeah. It's a beautiful ending to a wonderful <laughs> story. <laughs> um, we're going to wrap things up, and I just want to say thank you, Greg Lehman, man, for being a great host. Thanks for coming all, out here. These uh, continued success. I don't need to tell you that. I think, I think, I think it kind of defines itself that, Watershed Distillery isn't going anywhere except up and up and up. And, yeah, no, 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 you want to yeah, yeah, knock right. real wood, not knock on this. Uh, so thank you uh, for hosting us tonight and having an incredible podcast. It was just it was awesome. It was wonderful, man. Yeah, this was a lot of fun. I yeah, hope you, you enjoyed guys, it as well, man. You guys have well, a good job here. You, What's you're, that? You guys have a great job here going around and talking to people, having a good time. Yeah. we, we Drinking uh, booze. You know, you're, you're doing what you love and love what you do, and we do what we, we love we and do love something. what we do. We really yeah. do yeah. enjoy this. But this has been a real, uh, sincerely, a real treat. And, and I'm not kidding when I said in year one when we were still at the radio station, I wanted to get Watershed Distillery on. And I don't know what kept throwing a, a roadblock in it but well this is the best bourbon we've ever made so you came at a good time this is good timing you guys waited just the right amount but you know what we would love to be part of your birthday celebration mm-hmm. that would be year. really cool. 2020 that would be so, really cool we'll have to do something when you enjoyed yourself tonight if you enjoyed yourself tonight absolutely please invite us back and let us celebrate your absolutely. birthday absolutely i love it right? i love it all right, I'm going to wrap things up and thank uh, our great host and guest, Greg Lehman from Watershed Distillery. Uh, Greg Hansbury over here to my left has to give you a little bit of information on social medias. Which, and, oh, thanks, John Whitney, and John Whitney. But don't forget to tell them everything that they need to know about what they need well, to know. Well, we'll give Johnny some love first. Uh, don't forget to subscribe to YouTube. It's uh, Whiskey Business with Dino Trabotis. Um, uh, you know, Johnny does the unedited raw version of uh, the show and so. he does and he just doesn't just shoot it i mean he cuts it back and forth so it looks like a, it's pretty uh, it, it, it it looks like a, no it is a real show he has two no he's humble he's humble he's a an award-winning filmmaker and he's shooting our youtube videos for whiskey business that's all how good. how lucky how lucky am i that's how lucky awesome. am i yeah, that's great. and then of course on your end hansbury you do the wonderful audio yeah thank you well, thank you uh which, which reminds me yeah subscribe on your favorite podcasting app and once when you hit subscribe it'll just like pop up right there in your thread every time a new episode comes in and then we ask you to rate and review us uh on itunes or whatever platform you like because uh, that helps uh, propagate the uh, episode. He loves the word propagate. It just sounds official. It sounds official. Yeah, yeah, it does. Likes the word propagate. Yeah. Uh, like and share us on the social medias, Facebook, uh, Instagram, Twitter, and uh, tell all your friends. I'm going to say dude. Dude, it, it's been great. This has been fun. This has been. I hope you enjoyed Thanks. it. I did. I really Thanks did. Thanks for coming I in. I really did. No, I, we, we had a blast tonight. This is probably, uh, in recent memory... Not Best one this week. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. I, I did, you know, I never. I, I always go in low. It's my best one of the week too. Yeah, hey, yeah. I, I always go in, I always go in low, never knowing what to expect. Right. I don't know you. We met for the first time this evening, but you've been an exceptional guest, 
and 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 open and candid and 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 wonderful about this whole place so so thank you so much so on that note uh whiskey business is a never the luck production uh, produced on the audio side by greg hansbury and on the video side by john whitney and of course i am your host dino tripotis and our great guest greg layman and uh, watershed distillery which is uh, going nowhere but up up and up and so my friends until the next bottle or if we're lucky enough, <laughs> several <laughs> bottles. See ya. Martin, host of Pit Pass Indy. Each week, I go behind the scenes of the NTT IndyCar Series and introduce our listeners to the biggest stars of IndyCar, which features the Indianapolis 500 as its cornerstone event. The men and women that compete in IndyCar may be the bravest athletes in all of sport as danger lurks around every corner. They are able to look danger in the eye without flinching. That is why the NTT IndyCar Series features the best racing on the planet. Join me every week as we talk to the stars of IndyCar, including the legends of the Indianapolis 500 on Pit Pass Indy from Evergreen Podcast.